On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. Now you're welcome back to On the Record and it's the time of the programme where we look at, we delve into a historical figure or an historical event from the past and bring new light to it with my uh, guest, Donald Fallon, who is uh, the presenter of this particular segment, Hidden Histories. First of all, good morning to you, Donald. Good to be here. Thanks for coming along. I'm just back from New York myself a few weeks ago, so I was amazed when you walked in here with your, your item today, which is about Bill the Butcher. A lot of people will know that name somewhat vaguely from the movie Gangs of New York. So just give me, who was Bill the Butcher? Well, Let's get underway. The real name is William Poole, and you know it's William Poole's birthday today. So yeah, happy birthday, William Poole. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever, uh, yeah. Wherever not, your descendants are now. Yeah. yeah, Not that I think he would wish us, us one. You know, he wasn't the nicest man in history. But yeah, I mean, the story of Bill the Butcher is a great story. It, it's wrapped up in a much bigger tale about immigration and the story of any great city, at least in part, is the story of migration. And that's nowhere truer than where you've just been, New York City. Uh, you know, a distinctive melting pot of those seeking a better life in the 19th century. Some of that remains. You know, Chinatown is still there. Little Italy. Uh, other bits have disappeared into the city. I mean, no one goes walking for the, the, the remnants of Little Germany, for example. No. But, you know, undeniably... Uh, a part of the story of immigrants in New York City is hostility towards immigration. And this guy, William Poole, is part of that story. Uh, in New York City, I think one form it took was kind of a gang culture known as what was what, were called, what was called nativism, hostility towards the kind of inward movement of people. Yeah, it's, it's a word that's cropped up in more recent American political history. Donald Trump has been accused on a few occasions of being a nativist. So it's interesting to, to see where the, the roots of it are. Now, Martin Scorsese had almost kind of excavated this particular individual. Hollywood brings people back who've been long forgotten. How faithful was that movie to these events and these places? Well, first of all, Gangs of New York by Martin Scorsese is now history in itself. It's 20 years old this year. Oh, which I, I was amazed. Yeah, I was amazed by that because I remember going to see it as a kid and thinking it was an unbelievable take. Uh, and Scorsese spent 20 years developing it before that. So it's a, you know 40 years all in, I suppose, since it began as an idea on his desk. And look, the, the Irish accent of Cameron Diaz bordered on the unforgivable. Uh, you know, it was Into the nearly, West levels of, yeah. yeah. Nearly as bad as as as, as in uh, the movie Michael Collins, you know, from, from Julia. But the historical influences of Scorsese are very, very real, even if they were kind of highly fictionalised on screen. So, you know, uh, Bill the Butcher is there, but the story's told differently. The Dead Rabbits, who are based on a, a real-life Irish migrant gang. But what people do remember, having seen Martin Scorsese's movie, what they remember is Bill the Butcher played expertly by Daniel Day-Lewis. And I love the way Scorsese described that film because he did a great job and it really sets up this slot nicely for today. He said that the country was up for grabs. New York was a powder keg. This was the America, not of the West, with its wide open spaces, but of claustrophobia where everyone was crushed together. On one hand, you had the first great wave of immigration, the Irish, who were Catholic, spoke Gaelic and owed allegiance to the Vatican. On the other hand, there were nativists who felt that they were the ones who'd fought and bled and died for the nation. They looked at the Irish coming off the boats and said, what are you doing? here. It was chaos, tribal chaos. And then the way Scorsese just nails this, you know, we think of New York as a big, open, always expanding city and boroughs. That wasn't it, you know. He says it was street by street, block by block, working out of democracy as people learn somehow to live together. And if democracy didn't happen in New York, it wasn't going to happen anywhere. He nailed it. You know, this was a new place, 
new communities vying for space street by street trying to claim something and Scorsese what I love about him is obsessed with American immigrant stories and identity but not the romantic stuff you know not the Ellis Island smiling happy Irish Catholic immigrant or the you know the good Irish cop he's obsessed with much the opposite Scorsese's obsessed with the, the brutal stories if you will from immigrant history and Bill the Butcher well he's one of them Yes and we think of the new world and then immediately you almost got a peculiar um, reaction to this because you think of the Native Americans you say surely they're the only real nativists but that's not the way it was. Yeah, isn't it ridiculous to call yourself an American nativist when you're not a Native American? I mean, that is the great irony of all of this, isn't it? Organised opposition to migrants in the 19th century. But look, America was a new society. America was a very, very new society uh, when all of this was kicking off. I mean, the Declaration of Independence was less than a century uh, ago. So, you know, what's so weird about this to me is that these people like Bill the Butcher and those around him they're just an earlier incarnation of what they're opposing they're opposed to immigration but they themselves are the children of immigrants you know they themselves have come on the same journey uh, and some of the people that are popping up in kind of anti-immigrant politics in America at that time they're like a Michael Walsh who's a United States representative for New York in Congress that's an interesting name Michael Walsh you know he's a Trinity College Dublin graduate right, okay. he comes from Yall in County Cork but he's Protestant he's educated he's a skilled worker in the printing trade he becomes a politician and he doesn't dislike immigrants because they're foreign because he's foreign you know he dislikes them because of the kind of immigrants that they are he dislikes them because they're unskilled they're Catholic they're from lower down the social ladder if you will than he is so there's not just a racial thing going on in terms of anti-immigrant violence in 19th century America there's also I think a very strong class thing that's going on Yeah too. and what I remember from the movie was a lot of very scary looking knives that were being wielded around the place I mean the weaponry was, was blood curdling these were these gangs that kind of roamed around the city I know one group was known as the Bowery Boys the Bowery is still there in New York yes. an area approximating to it tell me a little bit of the kind of gangs that were around at the time yeah, the great New York uh, social history podcast which I, really influenced my own podcast actually Three Castles Burning is a New York one called the Bowery Boys and I think their tongue is firmly in cheek uh, it's not a tribute to the gang the Bowery Boys uh, I think it's more in homage to the district but the Bowery Boys were the gang of Bill the Butcher and they often wore red shirts uh, as did New York City firefighters that wasn't coincidental You know, a lot of these guys were firefighters they were that kind of you know certain class of skilled worker and then Bill the Butcher himself I mean he's English descent but he's born in New Jersey so you know parents might be foreign but I was born on this soil that's his view of it he's a true true red-blooded American uh, son of a butcher so that's where that comes from follows his dad uh, into that trade but a notorious street fighter I mean he might have been known as Bill the Butcher initially because you know the family hung up the carcasses of animals but I think he was also known as the Butcher for how he left people you know after fighting them uh, he was as one account had it well known as being a notoriously dirty fighter not averse to biting off noses gouging out, gouging out eyeballs or beating a man to jelly isn't that quite, it sound, quite sounds the like, It sounds like the, the rugby scene in the 1970s yeah, or something yeah. <laughs> and he very much kind of wedded street fighting and gang life with a kind of anti-immigrant politics that was that was developing. Yeah, I remember getting a walking tour years ago of Central Park and this woman held up the, the tour guide till of a picture and said, this is what the person that everyone was frightened of in the 19th century. And it was an Irish immigrant who had this sort of simian punch cartoon type of look. So it sounds like this anti-Irish feeling was very embedded in New York at the time. Absolutely. And Poole is viciously anti-Irish. And that kind of cartoon is very common. Even later on in the, the, the second half of the 19th century when the Fenians have taken off, this idea of the, yeah, the monkey sitting on the keg of dynamite. Very powerful image in American history. But, you know, uh, Bill the Butcher, he aligns his gang with a, a broader movement that was known as the Know Nothings. It's a great name. The Know Nothings. <laughs> uh, originally a secret 
secret society which was you know all about opposing migrant migration into Britain. The name was great though because it worked both ways. You know, if you were quizzed by the authorities on whether you were a member of this anti-immigrant movement, you'd be able to say, "I know nothing about it," or you know, "I, I know nothing." So they were known as the Know Nothings. But the opponents called them the Know Nothings, as in they knew nothing and they were fools. So this movement, this anti-migrant movement, very much aligns this gang with it. Vicious rioting. I mean, extraordinary stuff. Uh, there's particularly ugly scenes in Philadelphia. The murder of over 20 Irish Americans, uh, the burning of homes and Catholic churches. And this really goes against this romantic idea of America, you know, and, and the Statue of Liberty. You know, give me your poor and your destitute and all of that and taking in the, 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 the poor of the world. This is a really sinister dimension uh, to the story of emerging American society. And Bill the Butcher, William Poole, uh, is at the centre of that. Now, he eventually meets his match and it's somebody from Temple Moor. (laughs) But it's not a guard, right? Just in case, or a trainee guard or anything like that. Tell me who who finally put him to rights. The end of Bill the Butcher. uh, And that's one of the things Martin Scorsese takes liberties with in in, in the gangs of New York. Bill the Butcher goes on and on and on. In reality, he dies a very young man and the end comes at the hand of John Morrissey. Not directly, but, you know, his his followers. From Temple Moor, as you say, son of a Catholic labourer who emigrates to New York. Everything that Poole hates, you know, everything Poole hates. Uh, but a brilliant prize fighter, later a Tammany Hall-backed politician. And I think it was undoubtedly those around Morrissey that are still questions around it, uh, who instigated the shooting of Poole near Broadway uh, in 1855. So apparently his last words, Bill the Butcher, were, uh, goodbye boys, I die a true American. You know, Even at the very end, this sense of nativism was there. And the funeral is this massive spectacle uh, but the New York press had very little good to say about it. It's funny because you still this is still something that happens around the world in terms of criminal funerals. You know, they're often these massive spectacles. But as one New York paper said, you know, the public honours on a magnificent scale paid to the memory of this man, a man whose past life has in it much to condemn and very little to commend. It's pretty not cutting, the, yeah. Not the greatest obituary no, ever No, not the one you'd really newspaper. want, is it? So, I mean, gang violence, New York, we know, it, it obviously settled down eventually. This violence was, was eventually got on top of. Uh, what do you know of what happened eventually yeah. to stop these gangs rampaging? Clearing, clearing up gang violence, especially when it's wrapped in ra- racial identity. I mean, that's a priority for the emerging metropolis of New York City, you know, and it's a hard thing to get rid of when you think about it because the working class... The men routinely fought. They fought on labour grounds. They fought on territorial grounds, sectarian grounds. So there's a very valid question. You know, if everyone is so used to gang violence and so accustomed to it, uh, who could police these streets? You know, who who isn't tainted by association? And it would really be until the second half of the 19th century uh, when a police force capable of suppressing all of this comes to be. But I think the the the, the horror of Poole's ghost, you know, would have been that some of the main movers and shakers in that later police force were Irish. And it's really weird to me in this town, a name that we don't know at all. And, you know, I didn't know, uh, and I'm a historian of Dublin, Thomas F. Burns, Dublin-born policeman who would become the head of the NYPD's detective department uh, in the latter decades of the 19th century. And this guy Burns, I mean, it sounds like a, a great movie waiting. You know, he used the technology of the day, really, emerging photography to suppress crime gangs. He built up collections of photos of criminals. He called it the rogues gallery. That's still a term we hear these days. Uh, his interrogation of suspects was severe enough that the term the third degree entered policing. Okay, that's it. So, you know, <laughs> he's, a, he's a later migrant, if you will, born 
born here in Dublin. But I suppose it takes a later generation. It takes people who aren't tainted, if you will, by the earlier days of Bill the Butcher and the like to finally bring some calm to the city streets of New York. Yeah, and it's probably worth a plug for the New York Police Museum where they go into a lot of this. And you see the pictures, the, the mug shots as you talk to them. I mean, the people then... The pe- people are poor, you know. These are not these are criminals with scars, sort of stereotypical yeah, yeah. down their their face, etc. Tough people and desperate people. It was a big, very bad social scene in New York. I mean, everyone knows that this was a it was an economic competition, I suppose, between the different migrant groups at the time. Thank you very much as ever, Donald. Fascinating. You've brought up another few figures we hadn't really heard of before. And no, no disrespect to Martin Scorsese, great movie, but one or two <laughs> nips and tucks in his script, but definitely worth watching. Donald Fallon is a historian. He's author of Come Here to Me blog and Henrietta Street from Tenement to Suburbia. On the record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PWC. Sunday morning at 11. On News Talk.